Y'all, let's turn to the Bible. There's some good words here for us to be happy today. There's blessings from God and Jesus. It was a time, it, this is a future, you'll see even in the notes, there's a future saying that Jesus is talking about the future, but he's also talking about today, the present, right here where we live today. We've already done our surveys in this building. We've said, how many people think that the, the world is less or more happy today than they were years ago? And we've, by unanimous vote, just about said people aren't happy today. People aren't satisfied. They're looking for something. They're looking for that better job. They're looking for that better, better mate. They're looking for that better relationship. Everybody's looking for something better. And satisfaction doesn't seem to come any, anymore these days, but Jesus wants us to understand something with him. With him, we can be completely satisfied. And not only satisfied, we can be happy. And not only happy, we can have joy. And not only joy, we can actually look forward and know that we have an eternity to spend in his presence. We serve an awesome God. Amen? Let's read together just the first few verses of Matthew chapter 5. And we've been taking a beatitude each week as we go through the summer series. The beatitude is obviously the blessings of God, and, and Jesus is going to speak. He's up on the mountain. Well, let's read it together. And seeing the multitudes... He went up into the mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And we'll stop there with our scripture. And if you look in your notes, something I just want you to know before we start, in ancient Jewish culture, when the father died, who was the owner of the land, he left the inheritance of the property and goods first to his sons, and if he had no sons, then to his daughters. Or he, a, kin, a kinsman would actually get the land as well if there was no sons or daughters. This would keep the promised land that God gave them, passing from one Jewish father to his descendants. And we see today God has promised an inheritance to his descendants. And the question I ask today is, is this your future? Do you have a promise inheritance of the earth? And I'm like, what earth? It's not talking about the here and now because Jesus spoke these words 2,000 years ago. Does anyone think that you're in charge, that the earth is fully your inheritance? Yes, it belongs to you, but you don't have title deed to it yet because this is talking about the new heavens and new earth. If you think you do, go down to Hilton Head or somewhere and just go into a vacant condo and stay there and see if it belongs to you. You're going to find really quickly the law enforcement is going to come and escort you out and you can say, but this is my inheritance. That's not exactly what he's talking about there. He's talking about in the new heavens and the new earth. We have something waiting for us. He was looking forward, but also we have peace in this world. You're going to see the meekness that he talks about. And I'm going to go through your notes back as quick as we can today because we want to see what God's word has to say to us. When Jesus was speaking, we talked about he drew away from the crowds. He looked at the crowds and then he pulled away to his disciples and said he spoke to them. And as, as Jesus is speaking to us today, Matthew recorded this for us. That these are the words of our God, that our creator. Did you know that Jesus is the creator? When we talk about it in our, well, we, today especially, it's hard to talk about the Declaration of Independence or our Constitution. When we talked about we were endowed by certain, uh, we have certain inalienable rights given to us by whom? It says our creator. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through, and you through about 6, it says, everything that was made, Jesus made. Because you know, it starts out, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Our Jehovah Witness friends try to change that and put a little G and make him a God. But the Bible says Jesus is God. And it says nothing was made that has been made except that he made it. So even our founders of our country recognized our Creator. Who were they recognizing that we have our rights from? Jesus Christ. Today our government thinks that our rights come from them. 
the one who's paid the most money and get into office, get elected, they think we, they give us our rights. But I want to remind you today, listen, don't look to government for help necessarily. Don't look, don't look to others for help. You look to the one who gave you life for help. When you need something today, you have a prayer request today, something that seems impossible to do, God's ready to do the impossible. If it's his will, listen, he steps right up to the plate. He says, you don't have because why, church? You don't ask. How many of us are asking the hard things of God? How many of us are begging God for that child, that grandchild, that niece, that nephew, that aunt, that uncle, that person that we work with? How many of us are spending time saying, Lord, give us this because this is what we want. Help me in their presence that I won't be over-aggressive. Help me in their presence, Lord, that I will be just like you told me to be, like you told the disciples. Help me to be meek. Look at your notes again. Jesus instructed his disciples how to live. His disciples thought Jesus would overthrow Rome. That was the whole idea behind why Jesus was not accepted as the Messiah. The Jewish people thought Jesus was going to come in and bring war to Rome to set them free so they could live how they wanted to live in their villages, in their towns. They wanted to live their way. And they were being oppressed by Rome. And so they thought he was going to teach them about war. He was going to bring about the peace of Jerusalem. But he taught them disciplines of humility, love, and righteousness. Peter later wrote, and if you would, I'm, we're going to look at these scriptures today. That's why the notes are a little bit shorter. We're going to look at the scriptures and see what actually Peter, after he had experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit, he experienced Pentecost that we read about in the book of um, Acts that we studied. Look what Peter writes. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. Let me do, do a favor. Uh, don't put the scripture up on the board. If you don't go there, you'll miss it. I don't want to, I don't want to babysit you. This is... Uh, Paul, uh, right, James talks, you should be eating food by now, right? And we still want spiritual milk because we want someone else to feed us. I want to encourage you to take notes because you might use this this week at your workplace, at your home place. Daddies, listen, teach it to your children. Grandfathers, teach it to your children. We're sitting by, we have a generation who's ignorant of the scriptures because no one wants to read anymore. They want to be spoon-fed, give it to me, give me the quick version, snap version, or give me a video game version, and then I'll be happy. That's how we are today. Listen, God forbid that we would get there as Christians and let our children fall to the prey of the world. First Peter, Peter writes this, and this is after he's had his experience with Jesus Christ. This is after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is after the overcoming feeling of the Spirit. This is after all those conflicts he's had through the book of Acts. He writes this, 1 Peter chapter 1. He begins in verse 3. See if this is something you are interested in. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. To that we say amen, right? Who according to his abundance mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Can I put a side note here? Never preach just Jesus crucified. You'll see a lot of people wearing a crucifix with a Jesus still hanging on the cross. I got news for you today. He's not on the cross. He did die on the cross. He was buried in a borrowed tomb, but he lives forevermore because he rose the third day according to the scriptures, according to what he said. And so this is where our hope comes from. This is where our happiness, our joy comes from. What are we raised to? To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Anybody want that reservation? You ever, have you ever been to a nice restaurant or someplace you had to make a reservation to get in line to wait your turn? Isn't it nice to know that you're in line right now if you're a Christian? You and I are in line. We don't like to talk about this much because we don't like to talk about dying because we want to live forever. By the way, that's how we were built. Adam and Eve was built to live forever. Sin brings death. 
But we start talking about how long do people live because some of us are getting closer and closer, right? The more white hair or less hair we get, the more a pastor talks about dying in the grave in heaven, it brings a little bit of anxiety to, our, uh, to us if we're not ready to meet him. And so in the church, we look at today and we say, what does the Bible say? What do we see that in our society? How long is it that people live? And we'll look and say, sometimes it'll be what? 70, 80 years if you're strong. You say, well, I'm past 80. Okay, you're in overtime. <laughs> Amen? Uh, Pastor, I don't want to talk like that. I don't want to face that. Here's the deal. Get over yourself. It's time. But stop looking for here and now. We're making investments for kingdom, right? Kingdom come. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come, right? The will of God is what we're looking for. How many of us are over 35? Raise your hand. We're half dead. We're there. Aren't you ready? Listen, so it's no longer time to look back anymore. Where are we looking? We're looking forward to this inheritance that's reserved for you and me in heaven. This is a promise from the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is also Peter writing down by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit saying, listen, there's a reservation in heaven with your name on it. That gets me excited. I don't know about you. I don't fear death. When death comes, listen, we celebrate. Isn't it a celebration of life? We always, people talk about having a celebration of life. You can't celebrate life unless you know the Savior who gives life, who saves lives. There's no celebration. When a, when a lost person dies, it's such a terrible, terrible funeral to do. I hate, hate with a capital H. I know it's a strong word, but it's in the Bible. I hate doing the funerals of lost people because I know where they are. I've had people say, Pastor, will you say my brother, my sister is in heaven? I refuse. I am not going to lie to the people that have come to your funeral if you haven't lived for Christ. If you live like the devil, ran with the devil, partied with the devil, guess where I think you're going to end up? Living with your father, the devil. I will not lie. I will not come to the place of actually saying, oh, make excuses for the person that's in the box. Because that person's no longer there. We can dress it up. We can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. Isn't that true? Sin is sin. Watch what Peter continues to say. Verse 5, who are kept, how? How are we kept saved? How, how does salvation happen? And this bothers me about my brothers and sisters who think you can lose your salvation. If you're here today thinking you're more powerful than God to lose your salvation, look what the Word of God says. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love though now you do not see him yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and the full of glory receiving the end of your faith which is what church salvation of your soul aren't you looking forward to seeing Jesus Christ face to face this is a truth found in the word of God if we were to get our minds off everything out there and get our minds on everything in here we'll start seeing life a little bit differently we'll see day by day the blessings of God we'll see and we'll be able to act in a very manner that Jesus told his disciples to act in a very meek manner we'll see this in just a moment let's continue I put this side note in here through the power of the Holy Spirit Peter saw the end game at the end of the game he was looking forward to what matters most you know, Peter, he was very much looking for today, right? Jesus, when will you overthrow Rome? And when Jesus was arrested, what did, who's the one that pulls out his sword? What does he do? He cuts the ear off one of the guards that come in. You think Peter was ready for a fight? 
We know he was. He was a rowdy fisherman. He was a, he was a man's man. Peter was ready to go to war. And then what happens over a period of time when the Holy Spirit comes upon him, Peter now shows himself to be very meek. He writes letters to us as the church saying, church, listen, get ready. There's something promised for you. Look forward. Get your eyes off this world. Get your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the Alpha and the Omega. Focus on him because he's going to take us somewhere. And that somewhere lasts forever. That somewhere is heaven. And we're not, when I was a kid, I thought we were just going to float in heaven the Bible promises a new heaven and a new earth. We'll see that also in just a moment. Jesus declared the heavenly kingdom to his disciples. They did not fully understand, but he spoke of future things, but he also talked about how to live now. Matthew recorded Jesus saying this, and if you just turn over a chapter, go back to Matthew chapter 6, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount continues, but these things he said, Matthew six nineteen. This is important for us to know. This is so exciting to see how the Lord speaks to our hearts if we would just listen to him. Do not, lay your, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. How many people are trying to kill themselves today to get that overtime, to get that extra extra just so they can have that extra? And when you get that extra, that extra takes you away from the things of God. That extra needs extra fuel. That extra needs extra insurance, doesn't it? That extra needs if a kid touches it, your grandkid touches it, or a kid scratch it, guess what? You get upset because that extra was something you paid extra for. You know what you work for to invest in that extra, whatever it might be. Can I challenge you dads and granddads and single dads, single guys today? Not, I hope you're not single dads. Single guys today, if your single dads are here, listen. Put your extra in the Lord Jesus Christ. Find out what God wants to say. Listen to what he says. This is how, he knows how we are. 2,000 years ago, guess what they were doing? Trying to add another room onto their house. They're trying to get two more oxen instead of one, right? The, the, the barter trade, the, 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 man of, the mind of a man has always been more. Me, myself, and I, feed me. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Look to your neighbor and say, where's your heart? Come on, y'all do it. I know it's awkward to do it. Look, look to your neighbor. I know spouse is right beside you most hopefully. Where's your heart? Now, when you watch someone for a time, if you're close to somebody, you can tell them where their heart is, can't you? If you spend time with anybody in just a short time, you can find out where their heart is. Conversations at dinner, well, you find out where their heart is. Social media, you'll definitely find where people's heart is, right? You say, well, I didn't really mean what I said. Yes, you did. If you took time to think about it and type it or write it, you meant it. People want to backtrack today when they get caught or when they get fired or whatever it might be. I didn't, I didn't really mean that. I meant this. What is in your heart comes out your mouth, and now today it comes out your fingers, right? Because we text it or talk about it. Jesus is in the soul-winning, character-building business. Would you agree? He wants to change your character. When the Holy Spirit comes, he'll, you don't have to come to him and say, Lord, I'll clean up, and then I'll come to you. He's like, that's not how it works. You'll come to me, and I'll clean you up. Father, say, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be a theologian to actually teach the Word of God. You can take Sunday's Sunday school lesson and reteach it to your children at home. You can take Sunday's sermon notes and reteach it to your children at home. They're waiting to see that you're the pastor in their home. You're the pastor of whatever your address is. They're waiting to hear from you. Grandparents, when you get to visit, aunts and uncles, when you get to visit those people that are far away, go with them as an evangelist. You're going to tell them about the love of Jesus Christ. 
You say, well, my kids don't want to hear it. Who does? How many bars are in town? Where is somebody who loves to drink alcohol? Where would they rather be, in church on Sunday, or they'd rather be at the local bar drinking beer or alcohol, whatever their choice is of alcohol? Where do they want to be? At the bar. Do they want to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ? No, the Bible says there's no one who comes after God. No one. The Bible says no, not one. So you have churches that are saying, well, we're a secret church. There's no such thing in the Bible. No one seeks after God. If you're lost, you want to do your stuff. You want to run your race. You want to do it your way. You want to party, party until life comes to a crisis. And when you have a crisis of belief, then and only then when God breaks your heart and says, listen, that pastor on the radio, that pastor at church, somebody who spoke a good word, that aunt, that uncle, someone who spoke it to your life, told you about Jesus, that's the truth. The Bible says God draws men to himself, men, women, boys, and girls. He draws them to himself. You'll never come to God and say, okay, I'm ready today, God. He'll never take your cockiness. He'll never let you come to the place where you, you walk in without humility in his presence. He won't let you come. You will either come his way or you will not come at all. And the truth from the word of God. And how, what is his way? His way is always come with humility, come with love, come with righteousness. And by the way, he applies his righteousness. He puts it on you. He imputes it to you that you have the right to become sons and daughters of God. Isn't that amazing to think about? Sinful us, whenever he brings us to himself, we draw that. I've been in a church. I, my knuckles about broke at the back of the church, back where Richard was sitting. I was sitting in a church and I got about snapped my knuckles. I, was at a, I didn't know anybody in the church, but I walked forward saying, I want to give my life to Christ. We've had other people express it. I, I feel like I was having an anxiety attack in church. Every time that you read from the word of God, I felt something in my chest. There was something compelling me to come forward. There was something compelling me to tell you, I need to pray that prayer because I can't stand myself anymore. My problems are too much. I need some, a burden bearer. And Jesus says, listen, cast all your burdens upon him because he cares for you. This is what he's telling his disciples here. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. Do you want to be meek like Jesus? Four people do. Do you want to be meek like Jesus? Meek like Jesus. Do you want to inherit the earth, the new earth? I do. I want to be part of everything that's a, everything that's a trophy, a reward, everything in Scripture that God promises those who love him, I want it. I want to give something back to him, right? I got nothing to bring the king. I show it myself. Well, who created me? Jesus, uh, who saved me? Jesus. Well, then what do you have to give to him? The answer is nothing. But when he commands us to live in meekness, I want to stand before him and hear, well done, that good and faithful servant. You did exactly what I told you to do. Well, is there sin in our life? Yes, we know we, do. we battle sin constantly. But can we live this life obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ? Can we live it the way he says to live it? The answer is yes, if we would submit ourselves to him, to the listening to the Holy Spirit, submitting in truth and say, Lord, your word is true. And I want to be just like you said for me to be. When we give our lives to him, he molds us and makes us to what he wants us to be. Here's the big question. This is, think about this for a second. Don't just hear words from me. Are you surrendered to the Holy Spirit to be molded into the image God wants you to be? Is your whole life, not 90%, ever how you do, whatever you try to get away out of it, is your whole life surrendered to the Holy Spirit? 
Have you pulled up the white flag and said, I can't do this anymore. I surrender A-L-L. Have you surrendered everything to God? I don't care how old you are, how long you've been in church, who's your mama, who's your daddy, what your reputation is. Have you surrendered everything to the Lord Jesus Christ? You say, well, some things. Well, that's not everything. That's being disobedient. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're lost. You cannot have the blessings of God until you actually surrender to the one who saved you or wants to save you. When you give your life to Christ, then and only then does he give you the blessings of the kingdom. He said, well, I don't understand that. Well, you can't understand it because you're not a Christian. Do you understand? You're on the outside looking in. This applies to disciples of Jesus Christ. These are people on the inside. This is you and me if you're a Christian today. This is a promise for you and me right here. We're on the inside listening to what Matthew wrote because Matthew was listening to what the Savior wrote, and he wrote it down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so that you and I might have it in our language today, and we can celebrate saying, yes, I want to be meek. What does meekness mean? And we talked about it last week. Look at, your, look at your notes. One of the virtues Jesus modeled and expected for his disciples was meekness. Meekness, as we mentioned last week, is power under control. Meekness demonstrates humility and obedience before the Lord. Christians are guided to, by the Holy Spirit to live this way. This is the way we should live. Paul instructs us that the Holy Spirit lives the Christian life through us. You can never live the Christian life. Everybody says, I, so many people get in the place, they want to confess and say, I just can't do this Christian life. The answer is that's true. It is God, the Holy Spirit, living through you that gives you the ability to change your character so that you might live in a state of meekness, power under control. Now, this has nothing to do with salvation, but I was trying to give a picture of power under control. Mitchell, do you have the picture up there? Let's have a look at this picture. What do you think? What does Mama Alligator have the ability to do? She has power to devour and even eat her young there. But yet the young, if you look at the pictures, they'll cruise around in their mother's mouth and she'll ride around and those teeth act as bars to keep the young safe. Is that power under control? Yes, it is. And there's multiple other pictures I would say, but a picture's worth a thousand words. But could you imagine living life like that? You have the ability to bulldog, boss somebody, beat somebody down, and yet you choose to live like Christ and be humble before them. You, ever been, you might be 100% right, and they've done you 100% wrong, but you still have the right to actually, sure for justice, but you have a right to be humble. Can you imagine this picture in your life? How about your family? Dads, are you overbearing? Killing your kids with all the rules and saying, these are the rules of my house. You can live in my house. This is how it's going to be. And kids are like, okay, I quit. Are you loving them through saying, listen, I want to carry you, son. You know, I can crush you like a bug, but I want to love you. Like my son, my daughter. This is, this is a picture of humility in my mind's eye, of, of power under control. But in the Christian life, listen, we have so much more ability because we have the Holy Spirit guiding us. Galatians 5, through 26, Paul tells us how the Christian who's led by the Spirit, how we will live if we're led by the Spirit. Back to your notes. Jesus promised his disciples the meek will be with him and they have their portion in the new earth. This is the inheritance God gives to his followers of all ages. And this is probably the, the most awesome. If you don't get anything today, go to Revelation 21 and see this picture of what's in the future for you and me. And I believe it's in the very near future. If you want to know the truth, my opinion. Revelation chapter 21. Let's read this together. Revelation 21, beginning in verse 1. This is Jesus' promise. This is the Apostle John writing this. He, remember, he walked with Jesus. 
He talked with Jesus. Now, if you go back to Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, uh, verse 1 and forward, John sees Jesus as the Alpha and Omega, and he's afraid of him. He's not that humble little Jewish man walking around anymore on the streets of Jerusalem or Galilee. He's Almighty God. He, Paul, John sees him, and he's afraid of him. The Bible says he falls down as dead when he sees his hair and his eyes. He sees his robe. He, he can't even bear to look because he sees him in the vision of his glory. Now here, John's going to write again. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death. There shall be no more sorrow. There shall be no more crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. What does Christ make? All things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done. Y'all, if you don't, just remember that in the word of God. On the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. And in the last book, near the last part of the Bible, he says, it is done. What is done? Well, let's look and see. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit What? all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Does that get you excited at all? God is telling you, Jesus Christ, the, the resurrected Jesus Christ is saying, I will be your God, and you will be my son for eternity, for eternity. Let's finish. Here's the sad news. This, if this is you, this is a sad, sad statement. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, adulterers, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is of the second death. Brothers and sisters, I challenge you today to look into the word of God and see if that pertains to you. Are you a child of God who's showing meekness in your life? You're showing humility? Are you that over-aggressive person who says, I'm religious, I don't need all that Jesus stuff, I'll just do it my way. And if you do it your way, you're going to pay for your own sins your way as well. Forever in a place called hell, forever and ever. The Bible is very clear on that. Dads, we get to be teaching our children, our wives, wives, mothers, you got to be teaching the same thing. But dad, you're the spiritual leader of your household. And moms and dads aren't there. Listen, you got to pick up the slack and pick up and go. But dads, if you've been married before and you have children somewhere else, you're still responsible for those children. You don't get out from under the actual rules of God. The commands of God last no matter what, we, what choices we make in life. One time I had a Jewish man who said, I don't believe in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. I want you to know that. But his daughter, he let the, the children come to church and, and his daughter wanted to accept the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I was fully convinced that if someone's going to lead a kid to Christ, I'll meet with your child or your grandchild. I'll talk with them what it means to be a sinner. I'll show them the scriptures from John three 16. I'll show them Romans six 23. We'll talk through and pray. I'm not a professional. I'm just a preacher. I'm, I'm one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. 
But if a child or a young person or somebody's ready to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, I pre-print, I used to pre-print the prayer, still have it, and say, this is a sinner's prayer. Not that this prayer equals salvation, but if you mean what's on this card, if you mean, hey, God, I am a sinner. Hey, God, I'm sorry for my sins. Would you forgive me and come into my life? If you mean these things, the Bible says God will save you. And so I handed it to the dad, and I said, listen, this is your responsibility to lead your child to Christ. And I walked out of the room, and he says, well, I don't believe in any of this stuff. I said, then both of you can go, are going to hell, right? Right? If you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, based on what the Word of God says, there's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. Look it up for yourself. No one comes to the Father except through me. Either he lied or he was crazy, right? C.S. Lewis said he lied. He was a liar. He was a lunatic or he's the Lord. I happen to believe he's the Lord. And I walked down that room and I said, you have a choice to make. Do you want your daughter to go to hell? And I shut the door. And I heard this sweet voice inside the door go, Daddy, please, please, please help me become a Christian. He says, well, I don't believe any of this stuff. I don't believe in Jesus Christ. She said, Daddy, please help me become a Christian. And I heard this strong Jewish voice with accent, dear God. And then the sweet voice, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sins. And he went through and he prayed the sinner's prayer, leading his daughter so listen, even unbelieving Jewish men can lead their children to Jesus Christ, right? Don't forfeit your right to actually share the gospel of Jesus Christ with anyone because you never know what God's going to do through your witness and through your ministry. Continue to be meek. Continue to come to the place that actually talk about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Never leave out the resurrection. Finally, Jesus wanted his disciples to look past the here and now and peer into eternity. He wanted them to understand the glory that awaited them. He knew they would receive persecution because of being a Christ follower. We know that's happening even today. It's going to get worse. Paul recorded for the Corinthians and us the thoughts of God in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. And you can look that up. This is the thoughts God has for you. No matter what, let's just look at it now. Let's just go ahead. We put it on paper. We might as well go ahead and put our eyes on the scripture because some of you might be a little bit lazy today and not look this up. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. If you're there, say amen. Y'all beat the preacher there. All right, here we go. 4.16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are what, church? Eternal. I want to challenge you today. Put your eyes on the eternal things. You say, well, how can I do that? Simply take the word of God for what it says. Take, take Jesus for what he said, blessed are the meek. Well, Lord, I need some help because I'm pretty rough around the edges. How many of you were rough around the edges when you first got saved? Anybody? How many of the rest of you have a problem with lying? <laughs> right? Here's the deal. When Jesus saved us, we were all wretched, right? No goods. But when he, I don't care if he saved you as a child, teenager, adult, median adult, senior adult. Listen, we all come the same way by the foot of the cross. Rich, poor, no matter your background, ethnicity, we come the same way. And that's through Jesus Christ and his righteousness. That's the only way we can come to Christ. The Beatitudes were spoken by Jesus on the mountaintop, but he certainly did not mean for his disciples to leave them there. Would you agree? 
He spoke to his disciples on that mountaintop saying, listen, these are the truths from the word of God. And when he sent them out, he commissioned them to go and tell the world. If we apply God's teachings, we receive God's blessings. It's that simple. Doing it God's way gets God's results. This is what we talk about at Town Creek. What we talk about in the kingdom. Wherever we go, that's what we talk about. Three questions here. Are you a meek person? Would you describe yourself as power under control in your relationship with your spouse? Would you say power under control with your relationship with your children? Power under control with your relationship with your coworkers or your other students? How would you describe yourself today? I am meek, power under control. Even Moses, who was a strong man, killed the, killed the Egyptian, led the children out of Israel. He, the Bible says he was the meekest man besides Jesus, obviously in Scripture. I don't, you ever think of Moses as meek? I think he was a roughneck out in the middle of the desert with a rod ready to, you know, call down um, thunder on the stiff-necked people of Israel, right? That's what I envision of Moses. But the Bible says he was meek. He was power under control. Jesus, was he weak? No, he was not weak. He was meek. He was power. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, Jesus said. That's Matthew chapter 28. He was meek. He was, had power. He had the right to do whatever he wanted to do, but he was God. He had that meekness under control when he walked this earth. Have you applied God's principles to your daily life? Are you actually taking his word for what he says and making an application? Are you just here at Sunday and then pitch it? That's what a lot of folks do. Are you teaching your children or grandchildren these biblical teachings? Here's the question. If you're not, will you begin today? Will you teach your children, like that little girl, Daddy, please, 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 please teach me how to be a Christian? I don't know whatever happened to him. I know she said, little girl, I still, she's not a little girl anymore. She's a woman now. She's friends with me on Facebook and she talks about the goodness of the Lord online. So it took, as a little girl, with an unbelieving Jewish dad not wanting to do it and with a hard headed preacher <laughs> walking out on him, uh, he didn't let his daughter down. And I pray that he would actually receive the Lord Jesus Christ as well because he knows the truth. But can you resist the truth? The answer is, I believe you can. You can come to the place and say, I, I don't want that. My life is too complicated now. Here's the person who unlocks complication in your life. His name is Jesus. He loves you. Let's pray together. Our God and our Father, as we've oftentimes come to this place of invitation that we invite anyone who is listening, anyone on Facebook, anyone by YouTube, anyone that's listening in-house, by speaker in the back, Lord, if they need to give their heart and life to Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray today would be the day of salvation, that they would humble themselves before you and say, Lord, I come to you just as I am. I am a sinful person, which you already know. And Lord, you know that they want to surrender, but they are struggling. Help that person today who's struggling. If they've been in church for a long time, that's the worst place to be because, Lord, you feel like everybody around you already knows that you're supposed to be a Christian. Lord, don't let us look to anyone to our left or right, front or back. Let us look to Jesus and stand before you saying, Lord, do I belong to you? And Lord, would you affirm in our hearts if we do? And Lord, if that affirmation is not there, Lord, I pray that that person would actually kneel their hearts to Jesus and say today, Lord Jesus, would you save my soul? I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe God raised you from the dead the third day according to the scripture. And when they pray that prayer of repentance and Lord asking you to come into their life, you promise in your word that you will. You're a good, awesome father. We love you. On this Father's Day, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.